What's up, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of My Cousin Makes Beats. Got a special guest in the house tonight. Got Miss Marion Robinson, uh, singer, choreographer, all that good stuff, man. She does a lot, <laughs> man. She does a lot. So um, it's pretty cool to get her in on this segment because it's always good to have some direct feedback when we're dealing with um, certain topics such as music. Of course, that's what the whole segment uh, really pertains to. But for today's topic in particular, um, we're talking about how music technology has really shaped uh, the music industry. And this is something that can be good or bad, just depending on what side of the spectrum or the pendulum that you're swinging from. So, um, Miriam, I'll open up the... What up, what up? <laughs> so I'm opening up the segment. As far as you as a singer, as a musician, and as an educator... Um, how do you see on a daily basis when you're dealing with students? How has technology really, um, how's technology shaped what what it is that you do as a profession, professional? How, how do you feel technology has changed the music industry? Okay. Um, I think you clarified. Well, hi, Derek Lindsay. How are you? It's I'm nice to be you. on your show. Oh, thank you. I've been listening to your podcast. It's pretty cool. Right okay. on. So, um, I think for me, um, for my students, their attention span is shorter. Um, so they want to do music instantly, or I take that back. They want their music to be done instantly and they really don't have time for my slow method, if that makes sense. Does that makes, make sense? No, it makes perfect sense. So in that sense with, with the slow method, even if that method is right, Let's mm -hmm. say that you're doing a slow method, but it's correct, and the students are still rejecting that method. Mm -hmm. Do you try to mold what it is that you do around the students, or do you feel it's still necessary for you to do things the way, quote-unquote, they've always been done? Um, a little bit of both, but for me, I have to do it the way that things have always been done um, for standards sake. So I have to follow state guidelines because as a teacher, I'm getting paid to do so. But at have to also um you know try to level with my students you know if if i can give them a little bit more of recording than me talking about music theory because i know they want to you know they don't want to hear it all day um you know i compromise you know but i prefer to teach the standards it just kind of for me it makes more sense and there's a lot more longevity if you know it okay so Based on those, a really good point. So, based off of that, do you fear that you're becoming um, obsolete? As far as you know, it's all good if you're trying to teach some of the things that you want because you've always done them that way and they've worked that way for you. But you're dealing with a younger demographic now, where, mm -hmm. as I recall, when you were coming up, technology was not as uh, it was basic dominant. Like, I had a cell phone. Okay, there but we go. That was it. <laughs> right. So it wasn't as dominant as of now. Uh, the technology is basically is is playing such a pivotal part of a lot of how the youth how they operate, mm -hmm. and I mean from breakfast to dinner to bedtime. You know there is a huge change in how uh, technology and phones and social media apps everything is all intertwined through their day on a consistent basis. You know, it's not like, you know, high school, when we was coming up, you know, the technology was there, but we only really did something with the technology in maybe a specialized class for about an hour or two a day. 
and then we might dig into it a little bit after the fact. But that's outside of sports. If you had any time outside of sports, which is almost none, and you may have an hour or two to dig into something, but that was kind of it. And I think we respected it more in that in that sense because the fact that it wasn't so accessible, it just it, it created more meaning for us. So I don't know if you. It was a mystery behind. It's it. a mystery behind it. So I don't know if you've experienced the same thing where. Well, first of all, you asked a lot in one question, so it's quite loaded. I'm gonna go back to the first part of it. Do I feel obsolete? Um, not necessarily, but I'm always aware that my job is always on the chopping block or I'm sorry, not necessarily on the chopping block, but I can say it's always a question of do they need us as music educators, as art teachers, as band teachers. I don't think they'll ever really get rid of band in the South because band is a very big part of the football team's, you know, lineup. So there's no way that you're going to get rid of the band. But as far as me as a music teacher or um, an art teacher's position, a choir teacher, they, they, they really didn't necessarily want to keep choir. I can kind of almost say sometimes um, in some of the schools that I've worked in. Now, the school that I work at now, you know, they're big about, you know, just having a diverse, uh, I guess you can say, um, diverse you know, list of, uh, of, of art classes, which I can really appreciate. So we have piano, we have art, we have digital design, we have dance, you know, we have band, um, and we have chorus as well. So I know my job is always safe to a degree, but I always know that if we, um, if the school district needed more money, that we would probably be the first to go. And actually at one point in time, we were the first to go. And then all of a sudden, you know, it was of great importance for us to have, you know, arts back in the school, you know. No, it's excellent. So you think a lot of the arts is it's more essential now because, you know, do you feel like Central educators is, as far as what, what do you mean? Well, as far as educators feeling like the, the arts are more essential because they need something to uh, entertain as mm -hmm. I want to keep these kids <laughs> mind stimulated throughout the day, you know, because the, a lot of them have such a short attention span now, mm -hmm. you know so it, it seems like with technology there's more of an emphasis on uh, music technology programs mm -hmm. audio recording um, things of that nature anything that can you know keep their minds stimulated is a plus now right okay so um, makes perfect sense well i mean uh, i hear your question but i'm not really sure how you're well, um, well i'm gonna revert it i, I guess I, I jumped off track there a little bit but what, what i'm really trying to get to is we'll segue into this you mentioned how music and education how it all intertwines also mm -hmm. so in this segment on this question here how do you feel that technology has affected the music industry you know, in which way, shape, or form oh. has technology, um, and we can do a pros and cons here, but mm -hmm. for the most part, how do you think technology has affected the music industry the most? The most in a negative way or a positive way? Well, let's look at, you know, let's be optimistic here, okay. but, but in a positive way, how do you think technology oh. has? Okay, so in a positive way, music technology has basically allowed people who would have never been classified as musicians to be quote-unquote classified as musicians. It's allowed for people who would have never stepped in a recording studio the moment to actually get into a recording studio. So if somebody can sing or if someone can't sing, it doesn't really matter as long as that person has some kind of idea or that person has some something to say, basically. 
negatively and look it in the same way it's made it too easy <laughs> for those same people to have access to recording and as we talk about all the time you know having access is sometimes a good thing but also sometimes a bad thing there are some people and I almost hate to say this but there truly are some people who truly should not have music out and I know people would probably say, okay, well, you know, what gives her the right to say that? But I mean, at one point in time, the record companies had the right to say that. Mm -hmm. The record companies were the ones filtering, you know, to say who's supposed to be on the radio and who was not supposed to be on the radio. So why can't I give my two cents about it? Technology is wonderful, but it just, it, it takes away the basic foundation of, you know, of just the pure enjoyment of music. You know, it, it throws so much else in our faces. You know, oh, you know, I'm a big name rapper and, you know, I can make a song, you know, in 20 seconds and, you know, I could be a billionaire and they'll throw that in our faces and they'll say to us, oh, well, you are a teacher, you know, you, you don't make too much money and, you know, ah, ha, ha, he, he, you know, just, it's, it just gives people who never would have ever, you know, um, recorded, it gives them the opportunity. I'm not saying that, you know, anything is wrong with that, but doggone it, I can always say that, hey, I took the time to actually learn this information. Now, why is this person being rewarded for being pretty much an idiot? No, that, that makes perfect sense. You know, I actually got a, um, I had a situation one time where this was, if I can recall the date, like oh, 2011, 2012. Mm -hmm. um, so, as a student of the Institute of Production Recording in Minneapolis, I mm -hmm. was able to, just my affiliation with Coolio, mm -hmm. um, the rapper Coolio, I was actually able to um, get Coolio uh, to come to my school at the time uh -huh. and do a speech. Now, okay. it was kind of cool because I was cashing in a favor because uh -huh. I did a lot of production work for Coolio prior to, and, you know, I wasn't charged up front for them tracks, but uh, it was kind of cool. Yeah, you know, I had a, I kind of had a favor. <laughs> just sitting there <laughs> so um i cashed my chips in with coolio uh -huh. and I, I talked to my cousin who was uh, uh a musician and i'm sorry okay go ahead oh no no i was fine <laughs> um so you know I, I got in contact with my cousin who, who's a road manager and musician for him and i basically cashed my chips in it was like yo coolio man can you, you know come up here to the school and you know just just talk about what you were doing so uh, we did get Coolio to come up to the school, and one of the things that he spoke about is he was talking about uh, how technology affected the music industry, mm -hmm. and he was making a reference to when they use um, eight tracks. Well, not eight tracks, but they use uh, reel to reel. They use tape machines, okay. um, you know, to record music. And the analogy, what he was, what he was trying, the the point he was trying to make was tape was expensive to use, mm -hmm. so. Record labels didn't, you know, they didn't use tape on just anybody. So if you were coming to record, you had to be cold right. because they weren't wasting money on tape because it exactly. wasn't cheap. So by default, anybody that was recording at that time, man, you had to be on top of your shit. Pardon my French. Mm -hmm. But you had to be on top of your shit uh, for a record label to feel or anybody to feel like you were worthy enough to lay down some tracks on tape. But that's what it's supposed to be anyway. Okay. So segwayed into that, you know, he spoke about how like Pro Tools, which is one of my favorite, you know, recording software to use DAW. Okay. He mentioned how it was destroying the industry in the fact that when everybody has access to this technology and there's no type of governing okay. on the output of this uh, content, mm 
Uh-huh. Basically, what happens is you get a lot of stuff that's out there that's lackluster. And so when everybody has <laughs> access to the technology, right, you know, here's Coolio speaking at an audio recording school right. about how the one thing that they enroll students in the most is, is tearing up the industry. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I caught a lot of slack for it. It, it was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, in short, you know, when, when we discussed that, the, the point that he was making was that if everybody has access to this technology mm-hmm. and a means to put it out there, there's nobody to govern this stuff. There's nobody, to, you know. It, it just makes for... It just makes for a, a society of bad music. And I know people would get offended by me saying that, but I have to be honest, I don't know half of today's artists. I don't know them by name. I know some of them by face. I know some of them, you know, vocally, you can sort of kind of pick them out. But back in the day, I knew who Whitney Houston was. You, you mm-hmm. knew her voice. You knew her voice. You knew the difference between Whitney and Janet. You right. knew the difference between Janet and Beyonce. You knew the difference between Madonna and Bobby Brown. I do not know all of these rappers, and I'm pretty sure there is a long list of them that just came out in this freshman 2019 on XXL because my students just showed me. And every last one of them mm-hmm. sound the same, or if they don't sound the same, they're talking about the same stuff. Right. And nothing is, you know, nothing is different. No, no, you, you hit it right on the head. And, and it, it, there's some truth to that. I think the line that most of us, you know, are industry veterans and educators, I think we walk this very fine line between um, you want to be direct, but Mm -hmm. you don't want to be so assertive with your students that you seem out of touch. And we can state the facts here. Like, we don't recognize these artists, but we can go explain why we don't recognize these artists. Well, it's it's obvious we don't recognize them. um, Because we don't listen to them. We don't listen to them. And we don't have a format that helps deliver this into our everyday lives. Exactly. So without a top 40 countdown, we don't have a VH1. No. We don't have a BET. We don't have an MTV. We don't have CD stores. in part. Right. No, no CD stores. TRL. We, we don't have... Uh, what these shows did is they provided us with a direct outlet but they do they also and not not to cut you off but they mm-hmm. also provided us with the already filtered music that the record companies took the time to do like that production line hey i'm gonna go through let, let's let's make this song now we're gonna send this song to a table full of people mm-hmm. whether that be the a and r you know the record label execs whoever and then we're gonna have them listen to it Two or three people in that room or so are not going to like it. Some people will. Mm -hmm. And at that point in time, the song has been vetted. So if the song is vetted, they make sure to give us the best music that they can give us. Right now, we've been given every bit of every music that somebody want to put out. And nobody wants to listen to any of it. All Mm -hmm. of a sudden, you might come across a song or two that sounds good but mm-hmm. that takes too long because so so now basically you've turned over the vetting process to the consumers and that's exhausting i'm it, sorry I, hey, I don't want to do that you hit it right on the head and, and to me that's the issue it's not um i don't mention bad music a lot because i you know as a creator you know i'm always i have to you know i know music is interpretive mm-hmm. um somebody can be using music as, as expression to get through something some point in their life and it might sound bad from a m- melodic sense or rhythmic sense but right. it's hard for me to always say bad 
Well, I, I try to, you know, stay away from it's that. Bad. But it's bad. I'll say it. I'm sorry. But there's some stuff out there, man, where you're just like, what the hell? Yeah. And it'll make you go back and have to say almost like question your religion. Like, hold on. You know, <laughs> I'm an artist. I'm good at what I do. I've done a lot of good stuff, man, mm-hmm. a lot of great stuff. And they're at a million dollars and I'm not. And you're like, hold yeah. on. They got all this publicity, fan-based, money. Uh, the whole nine and I don't yeah it, it, it does it's not to say that everybody's on the same path well, but it but just it, makes feel, you, it feels yeah. like they're rewarding uh what's the word mediocrity it, it, it they're does. Re, they're, you're please don't tell me that you feel good rewarding someone who basically says whoa in every song mm-hmm. let's be for real is that musicianship or is that just someone making vocal sounds? And if that's the case, then let's stop having voice lessons because basically there's no need. You just put out what you want to put out. And, and that's, you know, and that's a great point. So that, that's where we're at. Well, you know, we're, and you can, we can do a whole nother segment. A completely on, on, on different just segment. That, but, um, like I said, I, I only point out the facts and my gripe is, you know, we had, I, I feel like we had a ratio, like, if you had a top 40 countdown, you know, let's say 30 of those songs might be good. Yeah. And you'll probably go out and buy about 10 of them, which was crazy. Like True. About one in four that you hear, you might actually go out and buy it. But then, too, you have to remember, we didn't, get, we didn't have the luxury of listening to our music before we purchased it either. No. So with that ratio, you know, we heard something, we liked it. And it's the reason why our CD collections were so damn heavy oh, and our man. tastes were so heavy um and to prove the point even further it's the reason why a lot of that music that we listen to is still sustainable to today true even if you go back to motown you look at how they did things that music is still playing 40 to 50 years later oh yeah as if it just came out yesterday oh yeah because if i heard marvin gay i'd rather hear his voice right now than something on the radio and there you go, and and that doesn't the point I'm making that doesn't happen by default. No. That there's a process um, behind Barry Gordy vetting out Marvin Gaye. Yeah. To you know, the vet out the talent. Is and, he worth it? Is he as good as he thinks he is? And with is? a couple of tracks he, he worth, put on the shelf for years. Right. Is he no. worth the money, the investment? Yeah. And to me, that's a beautiful thing, and it I is. think that art form being lost today. Is what really hurts, um, and I know we were talking about technology, man. We just kind of mm-hmm. rolled off into it, but you know, even segueing off the technology part, uh, we, you know, we were watching the Motown documentary. It was good. And you have to remember, you know, they were putting out music every week. Yeah. They would go through a whole process of pre-production, production, songwriting, recording, mixing, printing, distribution, mm-hmm. marketing. Uh, they're doing all this stuff in a week without the internet, man. I have to be honest. I would actually appreciate that process. That's crazy. I would love for a record company to come pick me up and say, hey, I'll put you through the process. And if I'm being put through a journey or a process of artist development and really making you know, my mark on the world instead of me just putting out the first thing that comes out of my mouth. Like, I had a song a couple of, oh my goodness, what, three years back? Mm-hmm. I put it out to the world. It wasn't necessarily vetted. It was a good I song, thought, too. It was a good song. I, well, good I song. personally thought it was a good song, but I have to almost wonder to myself, if I were a part of a record company, would they have put it out? And, and that's a good question. And, and you know, and you got to be honest with yourself. 
um, you, you know, we all have a sense of obligation or yeah. we, we feel like because we create it, we can make it, that right. everybody has to love it, feel it, engage it, buy it, try it, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> it, 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 it'd be nice. Don't get me wrong. It would um, be. It's the self-entitlement. I'm not afraid for somebody to tell me that they don't like something that I put out. I would Because I know, I always have a philosophy. Every album I put out, and I've put out three, mm-hmm. I have one common philosophy. I'm like, for each album that comes out, I'd be damned if you hate every single song on this on this album. Hey, You're going to like something. Good. Your last album was really well, good. That dog on what child is this? Matter of fact, you need to go pick it up. Well, it's going to be out for a Christmas <laughs> release. That that that's going to be um, that's going to be a Christmas release. That'd be good. But you know the point I'm making here is like I'm like, hey man, there's going to be at least one song that you're going to like off of every project. True. And if you like more than one song, then, then I just take it as a bonus. And I'm that cool means you've that. done your job. I've done my job. I made you react off of something that I created. It, it Good resonated. point. It resonated. Oh my goodness, you made us react. So you did more than basically just record yourself rapping and basically making the ends of every line rhyme. So some of the words that I hear, and no shade to rap, but some of the words that I hear in mumble rap are literally just a bunch of rhymes that kindergartners could basically do. It is, and, and you know, and it's annoying. It's almost insulting. I it can be, and when you break it down to that level, the, the whole genius behind that that type of music is they really know how to play off of rhythm and melody. Yeah, because that's what really cadences are things that really catch us. That's they catch why, your ear. That's why nursery rhymes are so popular. True. Da, 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 da. <laughs> they're not real words either and that's that's the that's the odd part right like my students always ask me well miss robinson what makes our music a lot different from the one or from the music that you listen to and i always tell them i appreciate the stories i knew when jodeci came on the radio i knew i was going to hear a story mm-hmm. now whether that story was true or not was not my business and i love the mystery behind it so i kept it moving i just you know, I would pretend as if I was the girl in the video. And mm. that was in my mind. So I was allowed that level of mystery. I was allowed that level of just, you know, let me have a second and enjoy this song and imagine what it really, really, really could be. Mm-hmm. It was a story. There you go. So as, as I mentioned, um, you know, this is a great segment here. We're, we're going to wind it down here. But, you know, in the future, we're going to get more people on here. You know, we're going we're gonna to get different perspective from um, perspectives from... Um, educators, musicians, artists, creative folks, because I think that's what's really needed now. Um, I can do a podcast. And I don't want to sit there and listen to myself talk all damn time, because <laughs> because because you know at the while I'm going to really be talking about some of the same gripes that I've had and such and such. Um, but I think it's always awesome to get people in here to get a fresh perspective, and the people we bring in, it's not going to be it's going to be diverse, man. You know, I'm going to get some mama rappers in here. I'm yeah. going to get some industry veterans out here. I'm, I want to get the information and the perspective from all different aspects of, of professionalism. That's what I want. That's what we're trying to create here. So uh, once again, we're winding down there. That's our segment on uh, technology, how technologies uh, change the music industry. And I'd like to thank thank again for my guest, Ms. Marion Robinson, for uh, stopping by here. Thank you, you know. Mr. Lindsay. And there we go. So I'm not going to go the cheat route. And start yelling out where you can find music at and all that fun stuff. We're just going to include it um, on the post and let y'all find it from there. But 
I don't do that kind of stuff. But I will tell you, just look up Miriam Robinson on uh, a song called Little Bit. But I ain't going to self-promote a song called Little Bit. You know what I'm saying? So uh, go out there and find it and check out the post and everything. And there you go, man. So oh, thank- find me on Instagram at I See You Miriam. And there you go. So y'all got it right there. So once again, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Uh, you can check out more information if you go to the website at DerekLindsay.com. That's D-E-R-E-K-L-I-N-Z-Y.com. And you can also hit me on Instagram under Derek Lindsay as well. So cool deal, man. Hope everybody enjoyed this segment. You were able to take something from it, utilize it, abuse it, use it, whatever, man. Put it into what your everyday uh, creative process is and, and, you know, make the best out of it. So I'm going to catch everybody on the next uh, podcast, and I'm out.